I'm gonna take over Hollywood with yeah. this comedy night yeah. and have people like Chris Tucker and uh, come and and Subject Entertainer and Chris Rock and Dave Chappelle, even though they were coming up at the time, but Richard Pryor in the audience, Eddie Murphy in the audience, crazy. Jamie Foxx and sitting in the audience of something that that that, that I did. Welcome back to the Pop-Up with Paul and Friends. Guys, thank you so much for all the love on the show. I appreciate every listener, every viewer. You could watch us on YouTube and Spotify. You could listen everywhere podcasts are. I want to remind you guys to subscribe everywhere. Also, you could leave us a review on any of those platforms. I love seeing the reviews. I love seeing the stars. Thank you. And be honest. You leave me any review you want. I might even read it here on the show next week. We are doing these weekly. It's been so fun because the reason this is called Pop-Up is because you never know where I'm going to pop up. Sometimes we'll leave the studio. You also never know who's going to pop up and chat with me here in the studio as you can see from last episode we went to hollywood boulevard and picked up street performers and this week i did get a friend to come sit in the studio and hang out and i'm really grateful for this guest because he's a legend of comedy he created something called fat tuesdays which is one of the biggest comedy nights in all of stand-up comedy in the 90s he also went on to do big movies you may remember him from american history x the movie life tons of movies and tv and he was a part of the original kings of comedy tour this guy is a stand-up legend and he's here on the couch to pop up with us give it up for guy tory everybody what's the line this is what i love about you what's the line this guy's a professional movie actor sitting down on the couch over here you've been around movie sets for a long time i feel like yeah. quick light up what was your first movie set uh, the first movie set i was on i wasn't acting yet uh uh, my brother was in a movie, my brother Joe Toy, he's a comedian actor. Mm -hmm. He was in a movie, Poetic Justice, and things like that. But he was doing another movie called Tales from the Hood. It was a funny, funny movie, man. Great cast. And, and I was my brother's stand-in. Because you guys look alike. Yeah, we look alike. He's a little you know, huskier than I am. Mm -hmm. I'm funnier. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I was his stand-in, man, for that. It was crazy the first time I was in a coffin. There's a scene where he's in the coffin, but I had to double him where he's looking in the coffin, and it was me. There's a lot of angels in heaven with bad fucking backs, man. <laughs> Dude. Because they flying around on one wing. Them coffins are not comfortable at all. Yeah, I mean, you don't feel it. That's why. They don't yeah, care. Right, they don't. <laughs> but I felt every inch of that hard-ass coffin. That's like a... I feel like that's a rite of passage as an actor. Like, you know, people do SVU. Like, right. you have to play a dead body. Yeah, a dead body, And man. then you're going to make it in Hollywood. Yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. why you did so well. It's like you started as a dead body. Yeah, you want you, 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 you to you die in a film. You want your career to die. Exactly. Yeah. The only way up from being a dead body is as actually speaking in a film after that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm so glad you're here, man. We connected a little while ago as as buddies over cigars, but yeah. you're somebody, you know, I'm young in stand-up. You're someone I look up to, the things you've been able to do. I'm not even and, taller than you look up to well, me. Well, no, man. I look down on you physically, um, <laughs> not by choice, but I want to learn from you. Like, I feel like you're somebody that, like, I, I, I always pick your brain about what you've done because I'm so intrigued by... All you've built, starting, you know, obviously with Fat Tuesdays, which we'll get into, I'm sure. But yes. my first question, just coming out of the gate, is like, boy from St. Louis, uh -huh. Hollywood. Do you ever think back on, you know, you've been here 30 years. You've you've been in movies. You've had a, an incredible stand-up career. You ever think back to the boy in St. Louis, like coming to Hollywood? Like, why did you come out here? You know, I always think back to the the, the guy in St. Louis, man, because I, I I didn't grow up rich. I grew up poor. Yeah. And I think about, man, being so poor, uh, where we had, damn it, had groceries on layaway. <laughs> yeah. Being so poor, man, where we, one Thanksgiving, you know, my mom and dad were separated for a second because dad came back in Vietnam and he had PTSD. Damn. I was born in Northern California and my mom packed up six kids and moved to New York and then we moved to St. Louis and settled in St. Louis. And my dad got back with my mom, but those years that he wasn't around, we was poor as shit, man. Um, one Thanksgiving, we didn't have a turkey for Thanksgiving. Mm. And I used to hear these stories my mom used to tell about, uh, she grew up down south, and they used to catch pigeons and make pigeon stew. Wow. Well, we live in St. Louis now, and we're like, we wanted a bird for fucking Christmas. <laughs> and we didn't have, couldn't afford a turkey, so my brother and I, my two brothers and I, we were in the backyard trying to catch pigeons. For, we just wanted a bird for Thanksgiving, Damn. man. 
and we wanted to catch a fucking pigeon because we we seen the commercial with Wildy Coyote and the Roadrunner, <laughs> and how he had the box and the stick and the string, TNT, and the breadcrumbs, right, right yeah, and the yeah. breadcrumbs, yeah. And then and then Roadrunner would go into the box and he pull the string and the box. That's what we did with a pigeon, oh and we God. caught two pigeons, and we about to eat, but we didn't realize that it's city pigeons. <laughs> You know, my mom grew up in the country. You can eat them pigeons. Yeah. You can't eat city damn pigeons, but we're kids. We ain't oh, know any man. better. And right when we were getting ready to, the, 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 the cook that damn pigeon, man, we'll take it and kill it. And then the church came through with a, with a turkey at the last minute. Oh, my gosh. It was like a Hail Mary pass in football, man. And at the last minute, we were about to have some, some, some rabied-ass, <laughs> dirty-ass city pigeons. You're like, thank the Lord, this thank pigeon the, stuffing. Won't he do it? Won't he do it? Yeah, oh my God, that's so, crazy. I think about that a lot, man, when uh, I look at where, where God has brought my career and brought my, you know, with me where I am right now. Sure. I often look back as that kid, like, man, this could have went a totally different way. If my dad hadn't come back and got my mom, mm. it could have been went a totally different totally. way. Totally. It's funny, though. Obviously, it's big egos in our business, right? Can I borrow that lighter? Uh huh. So there's. Hold on, th first of all, before you even go any further, Definitely. tell the people what you're smoking. I'm smoking, so this is my favorite stick for what we're doing right now. It's casual. I can smoke this every day. And right. this is one of the first cigars I ever like really loved and I got a bunch of boxes of. This is the Flor de uh, Los Las Antillas, yeah. my father. You like this one? My father, yes, yes. It's a great I'm, stick. Yeah. What about you? Man, I'm 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 a name drop real quick. I'm drinking a, I'm smoking a part of this number two. Okay. Cuban. That's, that's a Cuban. I know yes, that sir. stick. It's damn. a good one. Man, it's it's man, it's smoother than Rihanna, man. Wow. By the and way, Rihanna's I'm, pretty damn smooth. She's smooth and she's pregnant. Mm -hmm. You're more attractive. And beautiful. More attractive when she's pregnant? Uh, it ain't mine. <laughs> <laughs> Be nicer. I'm a big Rihanna fan. Shout out to uh, nice security know, package yeah. if it's if you're pregnant with Rihanna. You know, that's nice. For the kid, nice not backup. me. Yeah, I, you know, that's I don't true. want her money. That's true. <laughs> that's maybe just how she I She got think. enough of it. I, I make mine. I ain't got no Rihanna money, but uh There you go. Mm. But my question is, you're talking about growing up the way you did in you know poverty at the time, pigeons. There's a lot of big egos in show business, oh, but I'm convinced, and tell me if I'm being romantic about, about stand-up comics. For you to maintain being a, a good stand-up comic that regular people laugh at, not people in Hollywood and people with money, you have to stay connected to that perspective of where you come from, you're outside the mansions, outside the big things in Hollywood, because... Regular people, the rest of the country, laugh what's funny. And I see so many famous comedians that get so big, and then they're like joking about being rich and famous, right. and it doesn't play. Right. People want to throw the celebrity label around sure. so fast, right? And, and I really just try to be a regular guy. So I created a term called Seregular. <laughs> I, I got celebrity friends. I do celebrity shit. But I'm a regular guy. You know, and I like being a regular guy, and that's what keeps me grounded. God keep God God is a humbling motherfucker, mm. respectfully. <laughs> Whenever I think I'm right there and I'm 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 he snatched it back like not yet, Negro. <laughs> and and so uh I I, I stay balanced. I stay balanced with, you know, it, it's funny because a couple of weeks ago I flew to uh San Francisco to see Chris Rock, Dave Chappelle, nice. down there Rollins, and uh <laughs> and after the show, you know, we're kicking it, and I'm 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 mingling with Draymond Green. I'm mingling with Steph Curry. I'm mingling with Elon Musk because they came to the show. Because they came to the show, and yeah. then the next day I fly back to L.A. and I'm I'm with my regular hood friends. <laughs> it's like so that's 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 that level I my life I find myself in a lot being around these billionaires, sure, sure. and then also being around you know. Um, just, just regular folk. Uh, you're better off, I think, though. Yeah. I think if, you, if you're yeah. always around the, the upper echelon of the celebrity world, I think everyone, it's a lot of bullshit. Yeah, you, isn't it? yeah it's a lot of bullshit. So you got to stay grounded. You got to stay relevant, especially when you're a stand up comedian, I'm sure as a songwriter, too. But I, you got to stay grounded because you, you'll lose, the, the, you lose the, the, the rest of the country. It's the like rest of the world. It's like making the sausage, going back to making the sausage without the, so the mm -hmm. meat in the middle. You just right. have the casing. Right. The celebrities. Like vegan sausage. Vegan sausage, exactly. <laughs> Being only successful and famous with celebrities, you're a vegan sausage, which most of you are eating it. You know, right. Most of the right. people up there. <laughs> right. Who knows what Elon Musk is eating? No, I'm curious <laughs> about that. That's funny to hear. I relate to that too. I interview big celebrities yeah, all the time. Yeah, I, I see you all the time. So I'm like, 
I can relate to being in circles. I was once in a circle, not to be name dropper, dude, right. but like I accidentally was in a circle with Jay Z and Beyonce when she Man. was pregnant. And I'm like, I do not belong here. This I've never been right. in this circle. Well, I was backstage at the Grammys, and then the yeah. security guard saw how goofy I was, and he was like, get the hell away from these right. people. I, I met Beyonce a couple of times. Jay Z used to come to Fat Tuesdays. I never met him because, of course, I was on stage and in backstage, and I'm doing the show. And I don't, you know, go into the audience, but he was—he's been to Fat Tuesdays, sure. my comedy night, a few times. But yeah, that's yeah, that's—I haven't been in that circle at the same time. Well, you've been you're around these circles, right? What's your what is this a what's your bougie level? Like, you get the perks of us being a celebrity. You've done big things. You do big. So the things. regular, so regular. So you're a so regular. Yeah, so regular. So, <laughs> where's the line for you? You know, the club club membership at the airline, business class. Like, where's yeah. the line for you? Where you go, I'm, I'm going to do the perks of this lifestyle. I do the perks, man, but there's times when I do the perks and and, and God brings you, knocks, knocks me back down to earth. You know, yeah. it, it was a situation when I got through filming the documentary, yeah. right? I filmed the documentary and I'm on cloud nine. I'm talking, I am on cloud nine. I interviewed, we did Dave Chappelle, we did Steve Harvey, we did Secret the Entertainer, Chris Tucker, my brother Joe Torrey, Regina King. Mm. We did these giants, man, mm -hmm. these giants. And and then I go to Jamaica. A friend of mine uh, was going to Jamaica with his fam. They had an extra spot because somebody fell out. They asked me if I wanted to go. I said, hell yeah, I need a vacation. It was a five-bedroom mansion. We had to cook, a maid, hell a yeah. butler. Ten days, I was on top of the world. And then I come back to the States and I go to St. Louis, you know, because my mom, you know, lives by herself now since dad passed away. And I do her honey-do list, right? <laughs> <laughs> so here I am, a documentary, top of the world, uh, a, a Jamaica trip where I met Usain Bolt and, and everything. And then I'm back in St. Louis. One of my mom's toilets had backed up <laughs> in the basement. She doesn't go down there. So it exploded. Oh, God. And it was shit, literally shit everywhere. And she didn't know. She's a little old. She yeah. can't go up and down the stairs. And 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 I had to clean it up. Yep. So right when I think I was a shit, I was actually shoveling shit. There you go. And that's the humbling part. Like, wow, if, if people could fucking see me right now. But you have your a good head on your shoulders about it. I think this way, too, about what we do. I think it's a comedian's perspective, too, because that's, that's funny. I mean, From fu shit to shit. It's funny. Yeah. God I mean, humbles me a, a lot. That's good, man. I think we all need humbling, and I think it makes you a better comic. Like, you're writing bits from that now. Yeah. I, there's one time I almost took out Ru Russell Westbrook for the Lakers and Amber Rose. Almost, like, really took him out. Mm -hmm. I was on an airline. I won't say the airline. I'm a little mad at them right now. <laughs> on the airline, I got upgraded to first class. Amber Rose is on my flight. Russell Westbrook is on my flight. And... The plane breaks down, right? So now they rebook us four hours later, but I lose my upgrade. So now I'm in the middle fucking seat, in coach. <laughs> I'm not happy about that. From Miami to LA. It's mm. a long flight in coach. Right. Sorry, coach people. I don't like being amongst the commoners sometimes. <laughs> it's impossible to go back once you Man. go up. It's impossible. So now I'm on this flight. I, I get rebooked in the middle seat. I go four hours to kill in the damn airport. Who did I run into? My ex-wife and her new husband. Oh, boy. Talk about awkward as fuck. <laughs> and she married up because he's 6'4". <laughs> oh, that stings. So she married up. <laughs> so I meet him and, you know, you do the bro hug. Hey, what's up, man? Yeah, and he yeah. hugged me like I was his son. Hey, little buddy. <laughs> right? <laughs> it was humiliating, man, but I did the Ray J. I hit it first. Hey, you, know? <laughs> you got the tape. <laughs> yeah. So now I'm thinking, fuck, they're on their way back to L.A. too. So I know we're going to be on the same flight. Mm. And, you know, he's making money. She's making money. I'm like, if I have to walk past these two motherfuckers in first class to go to coach, I'm crashing this motherfucking yeah, plane. Yeah. Can't oh, I, oh, no, my ego ain't taking it. Yeah. I'm crashing this plane. Nobody going to live. Amber Rose, dead. <laughs> Russell Westbrook, dead. <laughs> Ex-wife, new husband, dead. Me, dead. We all dying on this flight today. Oh, man. And then I found out there was on a flight that was even earlier than mine. You I was like, won't he do it? Won't God do yeah, it? Yeah. <laughs> my ego wouldn't have taken it. God uh, wasn't done with me yet. He wasn't ready for me to perish. Because yeah. like, damn, I was going to crash. Nobody's going to live to tell that goddamn story. I'm trying story. to think what the news headline would have been if, if the public knew you took it down with all those famous people yeah. on that flight. It would have been... Well, 
you know, famed comedian Guy Tory, you know, murders entire flight, including ex-wife. Right. Also Russell Over Westbrook. ego. Over ego. Could not be seen in a lesser seat. Yo, man. In a middle seat at that. I never flew till I was like 20 years old. Yeah, I didn't fly till I was 23. So I never flew a plane. I've never been on a plane. I got upgraded after a few flights. I'm on first class. And I always thought like, I always felt like I didn't belong. I would never belong. Like I didn't, I feel weird about it, right? I'll never forget the switch in my mind. They were like, would you like a drink? And I was like... Man, let me tell you something. And I go, I'll have Bailey's on the rock. Yeah. I don't drink Bailey's. Yeah, your, your whole I'm like, yes. Your whole attitude changed. Absolutely. You, when, yeah, your pinky's out. <laughs> when you find out you get the upgrade, your walk changes. You got the Ric Flair, you know, strut. You know, your chest is out. Your chin is up. You look at people. You know, when I get upgraded, I feel white. <laughs> well, the messed up part about <laughs> I feel America. like I'm better than anybody else. That's, that's the way white up. people are, but <laughs> that's the feeling that, you know, you get. That's the feeling they give us anyway. But- I feel regal. I yeah. feel grand. It's like a, yeah. Like, yeah. Which is messed up that like in America, especially on airlines, like you get treated so much nicer with when you have when you spend the money. I actually heard recently yeah. business class pays for the entire flight. Those tickets pay for all the cost of the flight. Really? So they are treating you like thank you for, for giving right. us the business, for letting us do all this. I mean, they rip everybody off regardless across yeah. the board. But oh I've gone God, back and forth and it's so apparent. Like I was on a flight recently in coach and the, the stewardess was mad at me that I was in her way. I was like Was she old? It's some old flight attendants, man. They're, they're mad. bitter. They're bitter. Man, they're, I, I I don't want to out the airline that 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 I fly the most. But they, they, those flight attendants are old. Some of them flew with the fucking Wright brothers. Yeah. Some they're of them old. Man, they're jaded. They shaking, they coming down shaking like Captain Hepburn, man. I'm telling you, these old bitches are bitter <laughs> and they're Oh, I'm not trying to beat up on old people because I love old people because I'm be old one day. My mama old, but damn it, them flight attendants they're bitter. They didn't they yeah. didn't ran through all the pilots. They didn't <laughs> slept with all the pilots already. Hey, day's and, over. Yeah, the hey, day's over. So now they're bitter Retire. and they're walking down the aisle. And they're shaking with because they can't hold the tray. And now they didn't shook your drink. You got a Heineken coffee sprite now because she just shook the shit up because she can't stop fucking. It even it's not even turbulence. We ain't even took off. She's just yet. walking. Hey, Gladys. Yeah. Retire. Yes, go Hang home. Hang up the peanuts. Yeah, the flight, the flight, the pilots don't want you anymore. It's over. You don't yes. got it. Yes. It's the mile high done. <laughs> right. It's not, you're not in. Um, that's funny, man. You're flying all over the country. I see. I mean, you're tour- what's stand up like for you now? You you do clubs. You what are you doing? Still doing clubs. Clubs or the gym. You got to do the club. Yeah. You don't have to. I mean, Kevin Hart uses. He'll pop into a club here and there. But he, Kevin Hart, is smart. He uses small theaters. To, to do his so workout all, yeah. and then goes to the you know the big the, the bigger ones but yeah. you know but Chappelle and Rock and oh, and, and him, Earthquake yeah. and the, we still do the club because that's the, people don't realize that's the gym right absolutely that is the gym where you work out and the 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 streaming networks or these um, cable networks where you do the special that's that's the beach that's where you yeah. take your shirt off and say this is what I've been in the gym for so you know it, 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 and when you come to a comedy club people. Realize it's a work in progress. Yes, that's not the it's not the final polished product. I see you struggling with that, Michael. You know what happened with the flood? For somehow my my you're looking real ghetto right now. I man. got this old man holding my. There we go. Yeah, hey, thanks, got, old doing, sport. You doing some BET shit? Listen, right man. Now. Yeah, but no one really can see it. This way you see this. This looks like we're we're streaming live on Netflix. The way the quality of this is, you'd never know that this little wooden man. But yeah, um, two little little persons. Um, holding the mic yeah. up like little booms, like yeah, yeah. Brad, Brad, actually, Brad Williams and uh, no, <laughs> you can't see, but I actually they're actually chill. We got children labor on this show. There's yeah. kids right yeah. here. They're my kids, but you know they, yeah. we put them right. to work. That's work, what they, that's um, what kids are for. We, hell yeah, I got two now. They're, they're gonna they're gonna be working for me ASAP. I'm gonna be moving wires. I was lifting my dad. My dad's from the uh, music world. Okay, I was lifting speakers when I was like eight years old. So he did wedding bands in New Jersey. Okay. So. So I was—I've been doing this, you know. I've been lifting, I've been schlepping stuff forever, man. Damn. Yeah, yeah. Come on, son, pick it up. Hurry up. Pick it up. Let's go. I gotta sing. Uh, Get that symbol, damn it! I, I gotta sing Neil Diamond all night. Come on, <laughs> what are you doing? Um, but to work out in the clubs—that's why I love talking. I love talking shop with you about comedy, and I, I appreciate love comedy. Listen, I appreciate our friendship because we're new friends, and I'm new to. I've only been in stand up for like four or five years, uh-huh. so. Oh, you baby, you just baby. I'm a baby. Oh, wow, wow. I, I'm like a year away from being canceled. I'm excited. So <laughs> you know, but it's that's why it's cool being so regular. Cause I'm I, I no, I'm so regular. So I'm not even cancelable because I'm not famous enough to get canceled. You're a perfect level. If they cancel me, they'd be doing me a favor. 
They love it. They cancel me. They're not even worried about me. Yeah, we know he said some anti-Semitic and some homophobic shit, but uh, who cares? No one yeah, cares. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, if we cancel him, we'd be doing him a favor. That's how I feel Hollywood treats me. It's like, uh, I'm, 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 I'm famous enough to fuck, but not famous enough for women to drop names. To Perfect. tell anybody. That's a good sweet spot for you, man. <laughs> you know, somebody, you know, sleep with Kanye or Drake or Jay-Z or something yeah. like they're bragging. Yeah, they're just like, oh, yeah, they just, I'm just a regular guy. Regular guy. You're a regular yeah. guy. I mean, look at you. It's amazing to see to see what you're doing on the road, though. Like, I think I, you're working out every weekend, it seems yeah, like. Yeah, 40 weekends a year, usually. Usually about 300 shows a year. Wow. You know, um, between clubs and theaters. And just, just working out. You got to get the reps in. I tell young comics, man, get the reps in. The, the more yeah. you're on stage, the, the more comfortable you're going to become on stage mm-hmm. and the more shit you're going to find on stage while your back is against the wall mm-hmm. and you got to make people laugh. Yeah. And hosting is great because you're on stage throughout the night and you, and that stage becomes your, your, your couch, yeah. your favorite chair mm-hmm. that's comfortable. And once you get to that level, that sweet spot and stand up, and you become fearless. Yeah. And you just and, and 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 it's a gift. So when you become fearless with your gift, it's like Kobe. I tell people, you gotta have mamba mentality with mm. whatever your gift is, mm-hmm. you can have mamba mentality. You gotta work that motherfucker and until you get it to the point where it's like breathing. Yeah. You're not even thinking anymore. It's funny. It just man. happens. I fu- it's funny because I've tasted that feeling and mm. I, I wanna eat I wanna eat at that dinner forever. Mm. But I could see, I could taste it. Like, yeah, there's times on stage where you have those moments where you you just like you're in that fucking pocket. You're there, yeah. And it feels good. And it's like you can bat an eye and they're laughing. Yeah. You got them at the palm. There's no greater feeling than probably being with Rihanna. Than, than that feeling <laughs> on stage of no disrespect to her husband. Just just jokes. Um, but just just it's no greater feeling than being in that pocket. I, I completely get it. Um, who who got you like why stand up? Like who was your guy who you watched? My brother. And you said it was your brother. You said, My brother I Joe be like Toy. Him. He started first. Uh, he ended up moving to California after my older brother, who, who's not in stand-up, but Joe moved out here. We, funny, all three, all my, myself, my two brothers, we all moved out here at 23. Wow. Not like it was a plan. It just happened to be at the age 23, we all moved to L.A. at separate times in our, in our lives, mm-hmm. of course. We're not triplets. So, um, no, my brother you know, was doing stand-up first, and he did Def Comedy Jam. And I saw my brother on TV, and it was like, wow! I was always the class clown, the yeah. campus clown, mm-hmm. the, the the asshole, the school bus clown. You know, just joning mama jokes in the morning on the way to school, six seven a.m. in the morning. And then when I found out that this is an actual job, it's like I can get paid for this. Mm-hmm. Boom! The rest was history. I didn't mm. look back. Mm. And then you, we've talked about this before, but for the for this show, obviously, you know, developing Fat Tuesdays, creating that outlet for comics like you at the time when it didn't exist was a bold ass move like i i I, i'm new to stand up now and it's intimidating when you got people who are doing good in stand up and there's things that like i love what i love about you is innovation i'm attracted to people who go you know what i see this scene happening i want to create something better i want to make something interesting i think that way about my own shows can i do a variety variety show should i do some sort of collective I want to make new, exciting stuff. But for you, it's kind of hot-headed in a way to come to well, L.A. and go, I'm doing my thing. It was naive, but at the same time, I think back to my dad mm. and how he raised us. And, I, and it's funny because I, I discovered this one time doing another interview, and it's because someone asked me, who told you to create Fat Tuesdays? Mm-hmm. And I thought about it and said, nobody. I said, I saw a void, and I wanted to help. And I remember my dad growing up, my dad always saying, take initiative. Don't wait to be asked to do something. If you see something need done, do it. And he meant around the house. You see it hang on the floor that didn't, even if you didn't put it there, you know it don't belong there, pick it up. Yeah. You see a light bulb uh, uh, out and it, it, it's change it. Don't wait to be told to change, just do it. Mm-hmm. Have instinct. And I think about hearing that growing up time and time again, it's like, wow, that's where it came. I saw a void in Hollywood, a void in uh, black comedy where mm-hmm. the industry wasn't seeing us, coming to see us because of the riots and, the, and uh, South Central being the way it was. It wasn't coming to the hood. So I was like, let me take the hood to Hollywood. And, and, and it was an assignment. Once I started doing a documentary and realizing the things that, that happened, hearing the, the comedians talk about 
how important it was to them, I was like, oh, that was our God. Mm. It, it, he was opening them doors. I had no clue what the hell I was doing. I was only three years in the game. Yeah. You know, I I I, I barely had the hair on my nuts, man. <laughs> and so, and who, 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 I'm going to take over Hollywood with yeah. this comedy night yeah. and have people like Chris Tucker and uh, come and, and Septic Entertainer and Chris Rock and Dave Chappelle, even though they were coming up at the time, but Richard Pryor in the audience, Eddie Murphy in the audience, crazy. Jamie Foxx and sitting in the audience of something that, 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 that I did. No, I didn't do that. God did it, but I'm so glad he used the hell out of me. That's amazing. Hey, man, and it, it was all that. I'm not trying to you know preach, but it wasn't me. Yeah. But you also, it was, it was. I understand you, you, it wasn't fully you, but seeing the opportunity for a night like that at a time when it was so needed, I think it's also a lens on opportunity. Like if you, if you, if you keep your mind open to that type of stuff, like hey, it'll be rewarded and come to you because you're open to seeing it. Like you had an openness. Right. You go, what can I do here? And it I'm was new. like it was like an onion too. There's so many layers to it, man. Because when I first got to L.A. and I tell people I was a comedian, and especially. The white people would ask me, like, I said, well, when can I see you at the comedy store, the Laugh Factor Improv? And I couldn't tell them. And they made you feel like you weren't a real comedian if you weren't at the Improv, the comedy store, the Laugh Factor. Mm -hmm. And I hate that feeling. And I didn't want that feeling again. I wanted a place where I can showcase and I can say, I got my own night at the comedy store, yeah. which is the most prestigious comedy club in the world. Right. You know, and, and you know, at, at that time. And it's back. And the Improv chain. Being those those clubs that just that just are comedians' dreams and funny with all these stand up comedy clubs, man, we would be nowhere without these clubs, any of them. But Fat Tuesdays at the comedy store made sense because the comedy store was that comedy club that took all the misfits. Mm. The comedy store was that one that took the Richard Pryor, the Yaka Smirnoff, right. the Jim Carries, the goofballs. Right. Right. The improv was kind of buttoned up. It mm -hmm. was it was not, but it was a different different. Clientele, mm -hmm. Laugh Factory was kind of in between, but the comedy store took out the oddballs. So to do a black night, an urban night, was right in the comedy store's wheelhouse. Really, it was perfect. And I want people to know the documentary is fantastic. It's so well Thank done. You. It's on Amazon Prime. The story behind it, it's so captivating to watch. The interviews everybody have on there, and just Man. seeing, well, like you said, what it means to comedians. You cultivated a scene that was pivotal for so many careers. It's got to feel amazing to know. People are kind of indebted to that night that you, you were able to do. It was an assignment. Yeah. And I'm 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 just a servant and and wanted to give back. And because I at that time I already had an agent and a manager. Mm. I it was so many other funny brothers and sisters that didn't have representation and getting overlooked. I'm like, yo, I gotta I gotta fix this shit. Yeah. And and you know, I didn't have any money. I was I I, I had one, maybe two TV credits. Nice. You know, that was about it. And uh, it was just when you're young and naive, man, and 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 you just you don't know, right? When you don't know. Sometimes it's it's better. It's better. Just do Ignorance it. Ignorance is just bliss. You know what I mean? Sometimes, just, man. I describe that as bluebirds. Like I, I'm older now, have family. I try to look at the bluebirds of kind of that naive. Like yeah. life is. There's bluebirds. Make some fun stuff. Follow your dreams. I don't think we should lose that. I think you right. stay successful when you can hold on to that. Honestly, and, and it's sometimes because sometimes. When you know too much, it, it scares you. Yeah. And you get a little hesitant. And you can't do that. You gotta you gotta keep trusting that instinct, that that gut, which I think are God and angels, but you gotta keep trusting that and go. And what's gonna happen is gonna motherfucking happen. You are you're literally speaking to my soul right now. I needed to hear this. This is great. Hey man, I'm just I'm just FedEx. I just delivered it. <laughs> I didn't send it. What was it like? I, I can't imagine being on stage three years into stand-up and one of my comedy idols, Richard Pryor, is in the audience watching Dude. me tell jokes. How do you hold Dude, your own? The most nervous I've ever been on stage in my entire life. I'd be shaking. And 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 after I got off and went to meet him, he's like, you're funny. Keep that's, doing what you oh do. Oh, my God. That's the best. And he told so many comedians that same thing when he's seen them. He didn't tell a lot. I mean, you know, like everybody. But I, I know at Fat Tuesdays, there's comedians who said, man... I met Richard Pryor and he told me I was funny. Wow. And and when you get that from the Don. Oh my God. You know, and he's sitting in Mitzi Shore's booth, man, and he tells you that. He he waves you over. It's like Oh my God. It's the like, are you kidding me? A guy that that I grew up listening to uh illegally 
in a way at home illegally because my yeah. dad was you know had laws, mm -hmm. but he wouldn't listen. We couldn't listen to his albums, mm -hmm. of course. Like every comedian who who does stand up, growing up in that era, yeah. Richard Pryor albums were forbidden. Sure, you know, and the and the the Rudy Ray Moore albums with the naked women on the cover, mm. and the Red Fox who was from St. Louis, mm -hmm. his albums who were dirty, but the Dick Gregory who often from St. Louis, you know his his political satire, and, and man, it was just. What a professional. It was just a, he <laughs> stops when the truck drives by. We're in a garage. He's so pro, he stopped his talking. That's good shit right there. Some airplanes went by too that I was going to stop for, but it wasn't as loud as that That's truck. That's legit. This guy's been but on yeah, a few sets. It's, it's like, you know, when, when you're dropping gems, you want people to hear. <laughs> exactly. Because, you know, you, you, you may touch somebody. You yeah. may help somebody with the knowledge that I was given it's unfair to me not to pass it on. I love that about you. I think that that's important. I think that I think there's something about the comedy community. It feels like a family. Like again, I'm so young in it, but I am attracted to that. Like there's such good people that want to support, and I feel like the prior thing is like it's literally like him patting you on the back and pushing you yeah. into your lane of your career to yeah. just excel. It's like yeah. that. That it's amazing. It, 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 and, and it's that thing. It's that epiphany. Because when yeah. you think about man, what am I doing this? When you get that validation, yeah, it gives you. It gives you that full tank of gas to keep going. Because sometimes you're almost out. You know, you're yeah. grinding. You know, you're fighting for stage time. You're wondering if it's funny. You're going up late. To, you know, four or five people in the audience. You wonder, what am I doing? Some comedians are homeless, sleeping in their cars, mm -hmm. sleeping on other people's couches. And then you're like, man, what the fuck am I doing? I'm just going to pack my shit up and go home. Mm -hmm. And then you get somebody like Richard Pryor that says that. It's amazing. It's like... It's like God sending that person at the right time, and you like, and, and and by just him saying that to to anybody, or any comic you respect, gives you that full tank of gas. It's amazing. Or that man. charge if you got an electric car, that 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 charge. Now you ready to run, 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 run? Well, I'm craving that charge because I did a show recently with a, a a comedian who's famous who I idolize, and when I got off backstage, he said, "You had a fine set." <laughs> So was, was he drinking some Evian or some Aquapana? Was his pinky out? And, and did he have an ass out yeah, on when he yeah, said it? Fine, fine, fine. I just think I you're mean, fine, it, fine lad. You did a fine. fine set. Was it funny? It was fine. Okay, I'll, I'll take that. You're, for now. you're you're witty. You're way. You got something there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, kid, stick with it. Stick, yeah, yeah. Stick, stick with it. He didn't even say that. He's like, you're fine, and you're I'm fine. going on. Um, I relate to you though because I host a lot of shows. So like, yeah. there's someone backing up here. That truck, that same truck. By the way, we're in here all the time. This has never happened, but you know what? Whatever. This is we're in Compton, y'all. We're in Compton, California. Nobody knows where we are. <laughs> Trust I me, we ain't in Compton. You hear a lot more sirens and, and helicopters. I did shows in Compton when I first started. Oh, my God. And it was like, yo, I used to do a show. I did this show uh, at a casino, right, in Compton. First of all, I'm like, who wants to win? Like, who going to be in Compton in a casino? I won. And then everything's going to stop, and you're going to need security to your goddamn car. Right. right? <laughs> and, and I and I did this show in Compton, man, and I, I swear to God, if I wanted to keep the car running, do my set, get the fuck out of Compton. Yeah. But Compton's a lovely place. I like Compton, man. <laughs> it's, it's, you, got, you know, as a black comedian, you got to go do those rooms, mm -hmm. those rooms in those neighborhoods where, where, where it's like you could lose your life. Yeah. And that's what the importance of Fat Tuesdays was, man, because a lot of black comics, if you weren't really popular, weren't really allowed on the strip mm. in those clubs to right. do those comedy stores and laugh factories and improv. So you, we had to do comedy in the hood. And those hood got gangbangers in there. Yeah. You could lose your fucking life. Yeah. Because they'll start heckling you, right? Right. And you'll, get, you'll, 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 you'll shoot them down with jokes. Everybody laughing at them. Now this comics who've gotten stabbed, yeah. beat up, Approaching the parking lot because now they made the gangbanger feel small. Yeah, and now you like you, so a room like Fat Tuesdays was important because a lot of those cats wasn't coming south of Wilshire. Right, right, they, right. They they wasn't coming south of Wilshire because it's like they got warrants. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah, yeah. you know Hollywood was a safe place for a lot of comedians, but you know it's necessary to have that balance to have sure. that room in the hood where you get, you know, you get those type of audiences. Yeah. From 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 and Fat Tuesdays, we did have a melting pot of we had from from ex cons to icons, man. Mm -hmm. You know, you 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 have uh, uh, a gangbanger sitting in there, but right over there is Quincy Jones, mm. Quentin Tarantino. You know what I'm saying Charlie Pride, 
They used to come to Fat Tuesdays. Yeah. You got, you know, but Fat Tuesdays was like a place where it was, it was, it was like um, a a calm, like a all bets were off. There was no really major disturbances. Remind me of Toledo, Ohio. Toledo, Ohio. You heard the you heard the the phrase Holy Toledo, right? Mm -hmm. Holy Toledo came from. It's in between Cleveland and Detroit, mm. two mob towns. Mm -hmm. And families used to go vacation in Toledo. And the, the law they had was when a family's in Toledo, you can't fuck with them. Mm. Off limits. So it was holy ground. Oh, got so it. So holy Toledo came from that. Protected. And the, yeah. And so the gangbangers knew that that was a matter of fact, a rapper, a big tradie from the East Siders. Uh, one of Snoop Dogg's original rap groups, mm -hmm. Big Trade E was in there one night. He had beef with another another guy, right? And he came to me before the show started. I said, hey, man, uh, y'all need to move this motherfucker on the other side of the room. He said, he said, guy ain't trying to fuck up your night. I know you're doing something special sure. here, man. But if you don't move this motherfucker on the other side of the room, we're going to rearrange all this motherfucking furniture. Mm. I said, thank you, Mr. Trade D. <laughs> and we, I had security take the cat, didn't kick him out, but I had him put him on the opposite side of the nice. club, and it was cool. But it had that respect, right, right, because they, I mean, they knew, you know, this is something special, Let's, and we don't want to fuck this up. Want to be, we don't have, we don't want to mess up the night by having beef or some crazy violence or something right, break out, right. Does and it, there've been a couple of, you know, incidents, but I'm sure it, uh, that one was like respect, and uh, me. And, Trade E still remain friends to this day. That's we awesome. did a podcast together. Nice. We check on each other every once in a while. And uh yeah, so but I, I was just I was thankful that he was respectful yeah. enough of what the vision was. Does it freak you out in the world we're in today? And I I don't always love the like rail cancel culture. Like I, I joke Man, about it a on. lot. But I have a question cancel for you about, about the world we're in now. You know, Chappelle's getting tackled at the Hollywood Bowl, the, the yeah. slap at the Oscars. Yeah. Or does it freak you out? Like, if you did Fat Tuesdays today, would that guy get up with a gun? Like, is, are we in a different world for comics now where, like, people think... I feel like everyone thinks their voice matters now. If you're at a comedy club, the voice on stage, that's what you're paying to see. It's but now, a comedy club. But now we're in a world with, with everyone's voice can be a big story. So you have people getting hit on stage and stuff. What yes, do you think about that? That's whack as fuck. <laughs> but the flip side of that is the comedian does have responsibility. Right. You have a microphone. You, you, you some comedians go too far. You think? And you, and you, some comedians go too far, and and once you once you see a problem arising, you can kind of feel it, and you got to take your ego out the way, and just calm the situation. It doesn't make you a punk. It doesn't make you scared. It's just like we're in a comedy game, right? Our job is to make people feel good. There are people there who came to laugh to get their minds off of some bullshit they're going through. Right. Whether it be health, whether it be poverty, whether it be a divorce or whatever, got fired from work, and now you're ruining everybody else, yeah. else's time because your ego want to show that you're tougher than the guy Correct. Or the, on, in the audience. So you have to have responsibility, the responsibility to say, and plus the club is a business. Yeah. People own that club. Yeah. If it gets shot up or... And it, people are going to be scared to come. You're, yeah. you're affected, so it's not about you. Yeah. And, you, and there have been times on stage where... I had to dial it back, and 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 I'm you know, I ain't no punk, but at the same time, I had to like play, play nice a little, play bit. nice like oh man, my bad. I know you can whoop my yeah, ass. You, Came to his ego, but we, if we once the show's over, and we on the other side of them doors. Now we can go right. if we want to go. The social like anthropology. I don't know if that's the word of like what goes through a comic's mind because I've been in situations on stage where, in a matter of seconds, you're literally like, what's the laugh? Is this safe? How should I diffuse this? Should I just move on? You literally have a thousand things going through your head about every situation. It's like a, the craziest Absolutely. job ever. It's the craziest job ever. I tell people all the time, the comedian's mind is 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 organized confusion. It's a fucking train wreck, but it's organized. It's like there's times when you're on that third show. Saturday, oh. it's the third show. Yeah. You've, been, you've been drinking. I'm a comic that may do the same jokes but never in the same order yeah i kind of like it's it's organic and then so now that third show when you're drunk you're tired you just did two shows and one part of your brain is actually telling physically telling the joke the left side of your brain is trying to set up the next bit where am i going next yeah the right side of your brain is asking you this next joke i'm about to do did i do it this show the first show or the second show already all that's going on it's so while much. you're inside of a bit, yeah. and the, it's confused. That's why we're 
you know, comedians are as crazy as we are. We're, yeah. we're already dark, twisted, fucked up individuals anyway. <laughs> and, and we do comedy to, to mask that, to hide that pain <laughs> and hide that darkness. And, you know, we're not happy all the goddamn time. Yeah. I just got to hang out with Jay Leno, actually, name oh, drop. Man. But um, he, I, I respect him as a stand-up so much. Oh, and I got to chop it up and chat with him about comedy for a while. Not filmed. It was like before a shoot. Genius. We were doing an interview. And he gave me some great advice. I'm sure you know this. But he basically said with your set, he said, you should have your set down so well that you can write a letter to somebody as you're doing your set. Yeah. He said, if you could do your whole set in your head and write a letter to somebody at the same time, he said, you're ready. That set's ready to yeah. rock. And ready. Yeah. I never that's thought true. of it that way. And, and that's before. what I that's why I say you gotta get the reps in. Yeah. Because once you get the reps in, it's like it's like acting. Yeah. Once you know the script, once you know the world that script is that stories takes place in, once you know the character and and you and you fully uh research that character and you wrote the backstory, you're playing the backstory. In your head with that character, the words are a conversation. You shouldn't you. get yeah. tripped up on the words anymore because you're not acting; you're being. Yeah. And that's and that's and that's the sign of a of of a, of a good actor. And the same thing with stand up. Once you know that set backwards and forward, and of course you're gonna have those moments where you improv. Yeah. Or you add something, you trim the fat from something, but the core of that set you got down, and he's absolutely absolutely right. Yeah. And and Jay Leno. Continued to do stand up when he was on the Tonight Show. Know, He'd go yeah. to Hermosa Beach, the Comedy Magic Club, yeah. and he would work out. Yeah, always. And that's what kept him sharp. That's what kept him relevant. That's what kept him successful for so many years. You're uh, you're lucky you have stand up as your backbone because you're good. You're a great actor, but actors don't know who they are. I feel like you're you're a stand up who knows who they are. A lot of actors I, I meet. I am. What's I'm that? Three. I'm tripolar. You try three people. It's me, oh, three. myself, and Guy. <laughs> I never know which ones come the fuck out, but I I know all three of them very that's well. That's a great special name for you. Oh right yeah, that's there. that's gonna that's be the name. Good I said. special. Me, for myself, you. and Guy. That's good. That's really yeah. nice. Tripolar. Um, what was the worst heckle of your career? I won't say worst heckle because I can handle hecklers. I'm not inviting hecklers, but I can handle hecklers. But uh, you you gotta know how to. You know, I had one the other a couple of weeks ago. I was in Cleveland. I was on stage, and it was these two older black gentlemen sitting up front. They had the ladies with them, and they was, they were fresh out. They had done some time. They'd been on vacation. For those of you who don't know, they had did some prison time. <laughs> and I was on stage, and I had these fly-ass shoes on, had these kind of like pants on. They weren't joggers, but they had the the, la the, the elastic bottom, and you could see my ankle. You're so regularing, you're celebrating a little bit with them. A little, little celeb in there. Yeah, a little, yeah. yeah. So I'm, I'm, I'm on stage, and I said something to the guy. He said, man, I like your gray socks. And I had to look down, like, I ain't wearing socks. My, ash, my ankle was ash as fuck, man. And I just had to take it. I just had to, I just had to laugh. I said, like, God damn, man, you're right. And, and the audience... We'll, we'll we'll be happy that you. I didn't try to play the ego and try to go right, back at right, him. Right, right, right. I remember one time uh, there was this this era. It was an era where uh, black people were saying these nuts. They were setting <laughs> you up for these that. nuts, Joe. Of course, you know. So one time Snoop Dogg was in there and he was with you know the dog pound, and it was uh, a cat. Sean Dogg was one of his one of his guys in his in his group, in his in his crew, and uh, Snoop had a new album coming out. Okay, right. And he said, man, Snoop got the new album coming out, man. We got to get you one, guy. Which one you want? Tapes? Or you want a uh, cassette or CDs? I said, give me a CD. He said, CDs nuts, motherfucker. <laughs> and man, the 400 people erupted oh. in the laughter. And, I, and, and, as, I just, and as a host, you're not going to top that. Yeah, any, right. Anything you come back with, I knew was not going to top that. Right. So I just said... Coming to the stage. I, mean, you, you just, I had no comeback. I had nothing. But I bet you got a big laugh just oh, being man, like, I just got... The, I, I humbled myself, Yeah. and I brought the next comic up. That's great. Because why, why lose the audience in that moment trying to one-up that? Right. I wasn't going to one-up that. Yeah. And you got to know, it's like Kenny Rogers' song. No one to hold him, no one to fold him, no one to walk away, no one to run. <laughs> you got to know when you lost that round. Yeah. Take that L and bring the next comic yeah. up. It's also a personality thing because I'm not, I'm a very, like, I, I'm kind of traditionally people pleaser. So if on stage, if it gets we real. Are, hold up. We all are. We, as comedians, that's why we do stand up. We all <laughs> Like we, me. We Laugh want people to me. like, yeah, yeah, exactly. Laugh. Yeah. Proof of who I am. 
And my funniness. Yeah, so I, I in those situations also, I'm like mainly, like you side with them, right? Someone could be on stage and be like, you know, whatever, whatever Robin Thicke want to be, you know, like whatever they rip on me, right? And Robin, it's Robin Thin. Robin Thin, yeah, I wish. Most nine times out of 10, I'll side with them, like you're saying, try and just keep it rocking. But there are some comics, to your point, that go hard in the paint against, and, and I've, I've, I've learned this the hard way as well. If you go hard against either an audience member or the audience, even in a moment of ego or panic or like whatever it is, if you lose them in that one instance, you you're can done turn for the night. Against you. For the night. It's happened to yeah. me. It happened to me in LA. I made an LA. I was like ripping on LA, this beautiful couple's in front row. And I was like, you're from LA. You don't seem like it. Like you're nice. I said something like right. anti-LA, right? Right. I was hosting rest of the night. They were like, get out. Like we don't want to see that. Happened anymore. to me. It happened to me in Miami. I was I was in I was wasn't in the game even a year. And it was this hood spot that a very funny comedian named Marvin Dixon used to uh, host. And it was my first time really uh, in Miami doing stand-up. And I was killing for the first three to four minutes. Mm -hmm. And this one dude had a lot of gold fronts. And we talking 93, right? He had a gold, mouth full of gold teeth. And, and it was at that time, they made a comeback now, but by that time they were kind of, everywhere else was played out. You know, okay. and it, at California, LA, you didn't see gold fronts. In St. Louis, you saw a few. They couldn't really afford a lot of gold fronts, so they had one or two. But the dude had all these gold teeth. I said, man, you got a mouthful of gold teeth, you country-ass Bama motherfucker. <laughs> and the audience shut down, and they smiled, and half the audience had gold fronts. In Miami, that was still a thing. And when I say they shut down on me like the Batmobile, they looked at me like they was watching paint dry. It was over. I lost the motherfuckers that it was over. quick. And 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 I'll never forget it, man. The Robin Thicke story, man, was uh, hey, when, hey, I, hey. when I was younger, uh, my brother used to take me a lot of places. So um, uh, this attorney used to have uh, barbecues on Sundays at his place, you know, in the hills, mm -hmm. right? And we played basketball and stuff. And, and this little... Little white kid used to be in there playing the piano, and he used to come and try to, you know, play basketball with us. He was like twelve or thirteen years old, and he go, and we like, man, get 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 out the court, man. You can't play with us. Mm -hmm. Years later, I'm doing a show in I think Long Beach, uh, California. Not Long Beach, yeah, I think no, not Long Beach. It was uh, in like somewhere in Orange County, somewhere I All think. Right. So I'm doing this. I'm I'm doing this show. I'm hosting the show, and it's Snoop Dogg. It's uh. Nerd, N-E-R-D, oh, yeah, Pharrell yeah. and them, it's Tia Marie, and it's Robin Thicke, right? And I'm in the, it's in this big arena. So I'm in the tunnel, and I'm standing outside of Robin Thicke's, you know, dressing room, talking to somebody, and his dad, you know, Alan Thicke was sure. there and stuff. There's way more weed smoke coming out of Alan Thicke's dressing room than <laughs> Snoop's dressing room. I was like, wow. <laughs> and then so Robin comes, and he says, I said, man, man, I love your song, man. You think you're dope. He said, he said, you don't remember me, do you? I said, no. Nah. So you and your brother used to come to my my dad's house for these barbecues at this lawyer's house, and y'all used to run me out the court. And I remember that I was like, "That was you." Oh my! So yeah, gosh. man, y'all wouldn't let me play with y'all. I was like, "God, that's damn. crazy." You never know who in this town who's going to end up, you know, blowing up. That's a good lesson. And, yeah. yeah, way man, crazy lesson. You were you like, I'll still stuff you though. Like I, mean, <laughs> I still. You still got no game. Well, actually, well, yeah, but you know what? The thing about it was he grew taller than He's me. tall, yeah. By that time, he was robbing thick. He was he robbing was like, tall. Yeah, yeah. And uh, he 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 could could have taken me Probably. to basketball after that. I stopped growing, I think, at three. <laughs> For someone who's based in L.A., I'm new to L.A. You're on the road. I'm, I, love I love L.A. Dirty Draws, first of all. I love people. That, How you like L.A.? I love L.A. Dirty Draw. I love this fucking town. Good man. for you. I don't yeah. care what people say about Los Angeles. Yeah, some fake people out here. Yeah, we can call it Floss Angeles, California. But I love all that shit. Yeah. I mean, you you also operate in a way where you got a touch of the whole country. You come back here and you mm -hmm. get your lifestyle here. I can't here. wait to get back to L.A. when I'm on the road. Now you it's love not it. a place when you broke. Yeah, yeah. That's what I mean. It's, it's like, not a place when you broke. You bet, I, I thank God I had an bro, older brother named Joe who was already successful who allowed me to live with him for the first four years. Nice. Um, Rent-free. Wow. That's a good deal Rent for LA. Free. Damn. Uh, but the flip side was I was like his fucking butler. <laughs> it was like, I, you know, I was, I was the, the errand boy. Right. But, but he said to me, as long as you're in the comic clubs, working on your shit, 
You don't have to worry about paying rent. That's amazing. So I was in comedy clubs every fucking night. I don't care who had a mic in the stage. I was doing shows for slices of pizza. Yeah. I was doing shows and 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 old discotheques. Any hole in the wall that had a mic and at least three or four more people, I was on that fucking stage. That's how you get great, right? You have to. That's like something I need to remember too. Like, and I think I love about comics. You do shows in the weirdest. Well, we are in Compton. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> It's white crime. It's white collar crime. Right here, yeah. Someone, yeah, uh, white someone crime. stole funds from someone's right. head. You know, right, right. Savings it's account. Somebody's uh, crypto. Crypto. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, some crypto. Somebody uh, hacked the crypto around the corner. And it's funny, man, because you know, putting in that work, man, is key to anything to be a success. Is is like I said, uh, just putting on reps and getting on stage wherever you can, and 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 in different type of elements. Like you gotta play different audiences. Yeah. Otherwise, because when you do your special or you do your tonight show appearance or whatever, those people are gonna be watching. The people yeah. in Compton to the people in Beverly Hills, to the mm -hmm. people in uh, Iowa, to the people in New York City, the people in Florida, to the people in Montana. So you gotta learn how to to what your set is to be yourself, but also caters to everybody. Comedy is subjective. Everybody's yeah. not gonna find you funny or find every joke you do funny. But you want enough people to find you funny to sustain your career. Well, that's what I was curious about being based here for you. Um, do you cater like your your material around the city you're in a little, or you? Or you have you... to. I think it's respectful to go to the city, read some newspapers, and I got this from like Sinbad, basically, brave, uh, funny, iconic, legendary comedian. <clears throat> go and get the newspaper, and Chris Rock, same thing. They get the newspaper and they read what's going on in the town. I research yeah. the town that I'm going to, yeah. and I try to open up with that. And when you Smart. do that, they appreciate you. Exactly. That, that you, you, you took the side. time out. They took the time out to buy a ticket, get dressed, get in their cars, drive to the club. Right. You know, two drink minimum, order food. They took the time out to come be entertained. So at least you can do is take the time out and put some care in your set. Yep. And and when they see that you research the town and you don't even live there and you know certain things about the city that, that that they didn't expect you to know, they appreciate that and it's a great way to break the ice. I'm in a weird crossroads personally where like I've been doing hosting for so long and I love interviewing, but I'm so attracted to stand up because there's some sort of you keep talking about humility and I and I do like to cobble it into stand-ups where you have to remain close to real people. Yes. And you have to be observant of the world and you have to have a, a good head on your shoulders. And then you get really famous and you could lose it, I feel like, in stand-up. So I, I don't think you've lost it, but I'm well, so attracted to that. because I'm not famous. So that's well, you're, you're Once I become famous, I'm forgetting all you motherfuckers. <laughs> <laughs> you I'm going Hollywood for sure. You're stepping what? right past fine. coach I, I, and when, business. When I get famous, I'm going to say, fine set. Yeah, fine. Yeah, yeah exactly. My yeah. ascot and my fucking aquapana. All, all I want from you is that push, like prior, and you're just going to go, fine set, son. Fine Where set. Where's the, where's the brandy? Fine set. Where's... where's Where's the Louis? Where can people go see on the road and what's going on with you now? My website is up, guytory.com. My schedule is on there. Follow me on Instagram at guytory, G U Y T O R R Y. And my I'm always posting my shows of where I am next. Yeah. And and it's which is dangerous because, you know, they know you know, uh robbers and thieves can know that you're out of town. Mm -hmm, <laughs> they know. Mm -hmm. But I have security, I have concierge service and there you go. And and you can't get in my my buildings are very secure and good my, for you. My con my condo. My very well, fine the, condo. The first part of your title, you know, you're you're the you're the surregular, but the celeb part, you got the, you got the protection. I, I didn't get to ask you, and I did want to ask you quick about your movie experience too, because I do think it's interesting. Like you're in front of Pryor early on in your stand-up career, and then you go on to do massive movies. I mean, you know, American History X, Life. Mm. You were in so you. I've, I've I actually after we met, I meant to tell you. I rewatched something and I was like, it's Guy. Like I, I, I didn't realize until <laughs> after the fact. I do the I same like, thing. I was like, it's that. Guy. But um, you talk about that comfort on stage where uh -huh. you, you hit that level where you go, I'm doing my thing. I'm comfortable up here. Being in big movies with big movie stars, did it take a second for you to feel like you belonged? Oh, yeah. And, and when I did uh, Life with Eddie Murphy, Martin Lawrence, Bernie Mac, you know, Anthony Anderson, I mean, it's like, and I had met Eddie, mm -hmm. and he'd come down to Fat Tuesdays a few times, and... Martin, I had known because I started as a PA, a production assistant on the Martin Show, mm -hmm. a gopher, for those of you who don't know what a production assistant is. And so I had known those guys, um, and but it was still like, wow, this is like pinch yourself. This mm -hmm. That's Eddie Murphy. 
Mm-hmm. That's Martin Lawrence. And Bernie Mac was budding. I was, at the time we did the movie Life, I was the first host of the Kings of Comedy Tour. Mm-hmm. I was five years in the game. I knew nothing. And I was more like the prince of the Kings of Comedy Tour because I had, my resume was nowhere near theirs. And so on the set, it's like, okay, you can be in awe, but you gotta still gotta fucking work. You're a peer. You gotta like, it's like, and I felt like back then, I felt like I was, you had, you had uh, Michael Jordan, you had Shaq, right? Or Magic, and, Sha- and I'm Kobe, a young guy coming in the league. Yeah. You know, yeah, that's Mike, yeah, that's Shaq, but I got shit to bring to the table too. Right. And that's how you gotta play it. And then I, got st- I still get starstruck. I mean, those are my friends, but still, that's Eddie motherfucking Murphy. Yeah. That's Martin Lawrence. I mean, you know the, what I'm saying? That's the Cedric Giants. the Entertainer. Yeah, the Giants. I mean, yeah, that's Steve Harvey. I mean, these guys are giants. Yeah. And, and it's like, I'm still in, respectfully in awe. Yeah, but you're great in those movies. You held your own. Man, you know, got the grace of God, man, because I really had a little acting experience. I'm grateful. Now this is failing. Now I'm really... And, and that happens on stage sometimes. You, have, you throw one joke out there, and it doesn't fly. Then you say, okay, maybe this next joke going to get him. And then that joke don't fucking work. And then you're like, oh, shit. And, and, and then you start doing crowd work to get them back until, you, until your mind finds another angle to go to. Well, that's what I'm saying about the humility of stand-up. It's like every night, the Eddie Murphy's... Maybe not Eddie Murphy, because he's the, the big, one of the biggest ever, but... but Every comic goes back to like, I might bomb, I might not do well. Right. I have to win them over tonight in this moment. And there's a humility to like, you never get past that. Right. The, the, the Jerry Seinfelds, the biggest stand-ups in, in history, the priors of the world, you don't really get past that, I don't think. I, I mean, I think the crowd does give you a lot to, of leniency once you're well-known. Like, I, I, I lo- would love that level. You know, like, what, oh, you know what's dope is, you said Seinfeld. One of the documentaries I love to watch, and I've watched it several times, and I tell every young comic to watch this too, is Comedian. I've seen Came it. Came out, it, Jerry Seinfeld. Orny Comedian. Adams, right? Yeah. Orny yeah, Adams. Orny Adams, yeah. yeah. Funny as Orny Adams. And so Jerry Seinfeld, this is after he had done Seinfeld. He was huge. And he went back to stand up and he scrapped all his material and started fresh. To have that love for the game and that humility. To do that, because you're doing unrehearsed material, because the audience is coming with an expectation. Right. He set the bar high for himself, and to come back, and 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 risk people saying, "Oh, he lost it." Major, fucking you ha- major. You have to do it though. You, you gotta to do carve. it. If you love this game, you'll do it. That's the hardest thing for someone like me, like with like you know however many minutes I have right now. If I'm in a mood where I just want to do well. I don't do new. This is what you do. You go, you know right, what? I'm not going right. to test new. I want to get them. Right. I don't want to. I'm, I'm afraid of failure tonight. And, and, and to your point, the humility of like, this might bomb, but there's no other way to get good unless you just do it. What comedians have to stop doing is performing for other comedians. You think? Meaning that we feel like, oh, you know, if, if there's comedians in the house, you know, you're like, well, I don't want to do this joke because I do it all the time. They're going to think I'm not right or I'm stuck on this one joke. And we start performing for them. And you can't perform for other fucking comedians. Yeah. Perform for the audience that came, that paid to see you. Right. And, and, and try that new material out. You got you to gotta do it. I've seen Chris Rock, Dave Chappelle, Damon Wayans go on stage and just get polite laughs and chuckles wow. working on the set. Then you see that special and that motherfucker's... Set is tight as, tighter than some bikini draws on Biggie Smalls. <laughs> they worked out all the kinks. Exactly. They cut the fat. It's shoe leather. Chiseled. They cut all that shit out. They chiseled it down to, to to a fucking. And that's what comedy is for us. You know, it, it's 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 honing it down that rock and turning it into a gem, a stone, yeah. a precious diamond. That's what comedy is for us. We're dark individuals, and we suppress that darkness so deep. That that darkness, that pain that we we got, we formed it into material, which is that diamond that shines. You, you, you create something great out of out of pain out of and shit. Away, suffering. Yeah. Yeah. Comedy is truth and pain. Yeah. Yeah. You take with it whatever. You take that abuse. You take that that whatever. You know, when I got when I was going through a divorce, you take that shit. That shit is painful. Yeah. You take that shit and make it funny. Yeah. And you own it. You don't let it. Don't let it own you. You own it. Yeah. Well, that's what that's what I love is you. You end up living in you know honestly because you it's there's you, there's nothing hidden. You're it's all on stage. You're using everything. You're vulnerable. You're open. You're vulnerable. And those are the comedians who are most successful. Yeah. Who are transparent. 
I'm trying to tap into that myself because you don't can get try, do. And, don't yeah. try, do. Trying exactly. is a, is an excuse to say, "Well, I tried." No, fuck. Start You're doing right. shit. Right. Quit trying shit. I don't hope and I don't fucking try. I'm a doer. What's your fee to be my comedy coach? Like you just just come in the wings and, and tell say your this. story. Huh? Tell your story. Yeah. And make it funny. Yeah. Your truth. Your pain. Yeah. Your 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 vulnerabilities. Your weaknesses. <laughs> Tell your story because no one can tell your story like you. Yeah. It's hard for comics to steal your material when it's your fucking story. I love that. Yeah. It's so true. And the best bits are the, the comics. It's, it's true. their lives. Yeah. Richard Pryor told his story. Kevin yeah. Hart tells his story. These right. guys tell their fucking story. Yeah. I met uh, Bill Bellamy. I feel like you mm. must know Bill Bellamy. And, He's a uh, legend. I, I asked him a similar thing, and he said exactly that, too. He said, make it, it better be about you. He said, you having trouble with your wife? You're doing this? Talk about it. Let's talk about everything. I had a writer's block a couple of times, and two times specifically. One time I ran into Tommy Davidson. This was years ago. And I said, man, I'm having writer's block. I can't think of any new material. Uh, uh, what should I do? He said, take your closer, your closing bit, and put it first. Mm. And it'll make all your other jokes have to work and earn their fucking key. And I started doing it, and it made my other jokes stronger. Because That's once great. you go here, the other shit, you, you, you're going to put more into those other yeah. jokes that was fillers in between, and it, it makes you a stronger set. Yeah. Another time I had a writer's block, I called Jamie Foxx. And Jamie had just come back from filming the movie Ali. Wow. And I was having a writer's block. And he said, man, talk about that Hollywood shit. I used to always separate my experiences in Hollywood from my stand-up. I right. never brought my acting into my stand-up. He said, man, people want to know... What goes on in Hollywood behind the scenes. Right. And this is long before social media. Yeah. He said, people want to know that shit because he started talking about his experience of filming Ali and getting into it with LL Cool J and all wow. that stuff. And, and he was right. People want to know in Iowa what goes on in Hollywood, what goes on in the movies. What was Ed Norton like to work with? What was Eddie Murphy like to right. work with? Right. You know, they want to know what was the light on the set. Yeah, and, or or at the Grammy party, or at the, and, and you just you, you you tell that story. Just find the jokes in it. Yeah. You saw that story just came out. Uh, Julia Roberts apparently is related to Ed Norton. Are you, re are you is, related? I didn't know that. To Ed Norton? Me? I'm just kidding. No, I didn't. <laughs> it's Ed Norton. What is this? His family owned slaves at one point or somebody? Somebody oh. came out. Oh, really? It might have been the slaves. same thing about the genealogy show that Julia Roberts did. Oh, yeah. And she found out she's somehow connected to Ed Norton in some weird way. Wow. Well, they're both great actors. Yeah, I guess it's in the Shit. blood. So I, it's in that bloodline because they, they are fucking beasts. Yeah. No, I, lo I love the way you speak on all this, man. It's inspiring, too. And I think I, I like nerding out about comedy. And I, mm -hmm. think, I think there's a leveler about any level you're at. You're speaking to every comic out there and every audience member Because I love there. the game. Yeah, it's a great game. The game, the game is, is, is I'll, be, I'll be wrong if I don't share the gems that people share with me. Yeah. Early in my career, I had a lot of great mentors, from Martin to my brother Joe Torrey to a comedian named T.K. Kirkland to Chris Rock, those guys would, 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 would tell me, Martin, they would tell me shit, D.L. Hughley. Mm -hmm. D.L. Hughley, would always, I would always run into him at the right time when I'm struggling with something, and he'll say something without, me, without him even knowing that I was struggling with that thing, was talk stand-up, and he'll have, he'll, he'll, he'll just hit me yeah. with something. And I was like, damn, I need to hear that. Mm -hmm. You know? And so you got to be a sponge to be open. And some... Some comics are closed out. Some of the newer comics, uh, you old school, you know, no. that's old shit, you know. But the, some of the younger ones, like DC Youngfly, I watched DC Youngfly, man, go from uh, being raw to owning the stage, you know, now. He's killing it. Yeah, I've yeah. He around. didn't, he, and he would ask questions. AOG, man, you know, what's the premise? Yeah. AOG, how do you deal with so and so? AOG, yeah. And he respect. The, he respects the game, yeah. and young comics like that, you wanna you wanna help. Yeah. Some of the ones is like, uh, I got it, okay, go well, go on stage and die. I know. I, I, <laughs> <laughs> go uh, go on stage and bomb, die the death of a thousand yeah, fucking you're not dogs. Since, my you, since you know every goddamn thing, <laughs> take your ass on stage and and watch your booty hole tighten up. Exactly. Well, that's why I love talking to you, man. I feel inspired, and I feel like I learn a lot as a comedian. Um, it, it touches on the TikTok era because yeah. a lot of TikTok kids, and I'm trying to get bigger in comedy. Don't try. On, I am getting bigger. We're, we're going to see clips from this episode that everyone's going to watch on my TikTok, right? And yours, even though you deleted it. Yeah, but, yeah. yeah. But, Instagram, Facebook. On his Instagram. But yeah. you do see, because you're talking about like if they don't want to hear it, 
I'm I'm at a I'm an old school TV entertainment guy. I love where this all began. I love the game, right, of entertainment. Right. But you do see people now. It's it's the culture we're in now, where the it's kind of like I got a million people who care about you know me dancing to a, with my cat. Right. So I'm gonna go on a comedy stage. It, it it used to be, you build your act, then you build your audience. Yeah. Nowadays, you build an audience. And then you build your act. Mm. They, right now, nowadays is putting the, the horse before the the cart before the horse. Right, right. You usually put the horse before the cart. Now it's putting the cart before the horse. Yeah. And I'm not mad at that. Right. Every generation has a new portal to get into the game. Right. And that's this generation's portal. So I'm not mad at these young comedians who do that because what they're doing on social media is amazing to me. Sure. Be able to take, you know, to do these sketches and the time that they're doing them in and right. be successful. It's genius to me, so I love that. I just, I just, I just want them to spend the time on stage and put the reps in too. So why not have the best of both worlds? Yeah. If you killing it in social media, you put the time in on stage and you killed it both at the same time with both. Man, you, you, you. That's that's your ticket. Guys, yeah, that's my dream. Because man. what's happening yeah. is, I've been to some of those shows, and I've seen these uh, social media comedians fill a room, and after five minutes. They they blew their wall and they got forty to fifty more minutes to right, do. Right, right, right. And and audiences are popping up like toast, leaving, or just dissatisfied. Yeah. And what that is is what that does. It hurts comedy when it's done that way. Correct. Because whenever I'm on stage, I feel like I'm carrying a torch for live stand up. Right. So I'm making sure I give a good fucking show because you never know who's in the audience for the first time for a live comedy show. Right. And you're their first experience. And if you fuck that up. We may lose a live customer forever. Yeah, yeah. So when I'm on stage, I'm I'm doing the best I can so I can keep that people coming to see you next week or yeah, see yeah. my brother Joe Torrey next week or Tony Rock next week or Dave Chappelle next week. And I mean, because live stand-up, it's an experience because that show only happens one time. It's the best. No one's in the same space and time ever get in life at that moment when you're telling those jokes. That best. show is fucking unique. The live comedy show experience is still great. Yeah, I know doing COVID, people are doing the internet shit. It's not, mm -mm. It's not the same. It's nothing like, you know, seeing live bodies laugh and, and you seeing the whole room and feeling the energy of a the fucking best. comedy club or a concert. And, you know, you can't pick up chicks online like that at a virtual comedy show. You, you <laughs> want to be able to be in there and see, you know, the honeys is coming to the show. <laughs> there's nothing better. That's what I love about crowd work. And I know you're, you're so good at crowd work. It's like there's, like you said, there's only one instance where that group of people is around you. And, and, and nine times out of ten, my biggest laughs, and I need to write better material. I am writing better material. Thank you, Coach. Um, is those those moments you don't write, you don't script. I mean, I think show business in general is some of the best moments ever captured in a oh, way man. that are not planned. You Live. Know? And and, Live. and you don't have to film everything. You know, don't film somebody's set and then put their set online. Yeah. Right. Whoever wasn't there wasn't motherfucking there. It's a different if medium. I want to put it online, then that's that's my material, that's my property to put online if I choose to. But taking somebody's set, because what happens is when you start filming comedians at comedy shows and put them online, a lot of us are working on our specials. Right. Are working on that set, and it's not there yet. And if it goes online before it's ready, it, it makes us look like we're 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 not funny. Right. Or if you put that joke online and it goes viral, and now you go to do your special for whatever streaming platform, whatever network uh, show you're doing, they won't take that joke because yeah. that joke has been seen already. So now you got to take that joke out of your set and that could be the set the joke that glued your whole set together. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, come to comic clubs and wanting to film and shit like that, d don't do it. Whoever wasn't there wasn't fucking there. Yeah. Right? That's that, that, that that's their loss. Yeah. Also it's the oldest form, I mean, live live, the oldest form back to the vaudeville days, that is what still yeah. retains and still is the greatest form I think of entertainment. It's the moment you're there. It's, the it's, moments, it's, man. Yeah, that's what I love about stand-up. It's the last remaining, honestly. Every other form of entertainment, you could kind of sit on your couch. But you don't. Yeah. You can't mimic a, a comedy club and, and a It's the energy. It's the smell yeah. of the room. It's the, the two-drink minimum. It's the stuff, seeing other people's reaction. As a, You don't see all that when you do. Even when you do a special, you don't see everybody's reaction. But to see how other, some people will take a joke and some people don't. You know, it's it's nothing like the live comedy experience, man. I'm so glad you were here, man. This is amazing. Man, thanks could, for having me, man. Always good chopping it up with you and, I, 
and smoking a stick, Pauls. I appreciate being here, man. Thanks for coming on our couch. Thanks for having me, man. Yeah. It's the only couch I'll be on in Hollywood. <laughs> I, I seriously like you're so inspirational to talk to you about comedy. I and love man, it. I love this, I love this fucking game, man. I love it. I know. I love it. it. I didn't even choose comedy. Comedy chose me. It's amazing. That's the button right there. That's the button, yeah. <laughs>